Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with director Thaddeus O'Sullivan about his film The Miracle Club. Um, so thank you so much for chatting with us. It's it's brilliant to um, get to see something of that scope and scale starring such amazing women on the big screen. Um, I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how this came to fruition. I know it was um, in development for a long time. Yes, well, I was first approached um, in 2006 uh, by HBO, uh, who were looking for a director. And uh, I talked to them uh, about doing it. Um, and uh, they uh, it fell through soon after that because uh, of some legal issues uh, that they had. And um, it, um, it disappeared from my life until uh, two or three years ago. Um, and in the meantime, it had gone off and uh, various other people had worked on it. Writers, directors, producers, whatever. It's uh, quite a history. And um, so it came to me two or three years ago. And the, um, one of the people who was working on it at that time, Tim Prager, was a writer that I had worked with um, on a couple of BBC projects. So um, uh, that made me um, get interested again. I liked working with Tim before. And, um, so uh, we worked on the script, along with a, a writer called Lauren McKenzie. So uh, she worked on it for a bit, and uh, she really helped me with certain aspects of the script. And um, As an Australian, <laughs> like with that outside eye. Yes, I know. I really did want a woman to, to you know, take a look at it, and, uh, and uh, she did help um, uh, a lot. So uh, I felt a bit more comfortable having, having had her had a look at it and um, come up with some, uh, some ideas. That, uh, she came up with some really interesting structural ideas as well, which really helped. And, um, and, uh, and then, uh, um, but Tim was always working on it, Tim Prager was always working on it. He was, in a sense, the sort of spiritual side for me because uh, he was uh, somebody who was very interested in, in religion and Catholicism. And um, he is a he was brought up a Catholic. And, um, but he'd also been to Lourdes quite a lot, um, which I hadn't. And uh, so he had quite strong ideas about Lourdes. Um, that was interesting um, to talk about that. Um, and the, the thing we focused on I mean, you know, every Irish person knows about Lourdes, Irish Catholic, uh, has some some strain of Lourdes in their in their in their world. So Lourdes was a, a, was an element really in Catholic life, Catholic religious culture, and uh, my some of my family went to Lourdes, and I had never gone. Um, but I mean, everybody talked about Lourdes, you know, as you're growing up, and you hear about it, and. You know what it's. You know what it means, and um, and there's always a, an aunt or a cousin or somebody who's going or coming back, and also pilgrimage was interesting. We used to go to Knock uh, with pilgrimage uh, once a year, and when we were kids, we were dragged off uh, to Knock, and um, so pilgrimage was uh, also part of our, um, as I said, Catholic culture. Um, so. I was very interested in the Lourdes thing. So Tim Prager, he'd been a number of times uh, for personal reasons, and um, he had quite a lot to say about it. And uh, the thing that really struck us was um, uh, the idea that um, uh, when people step out of their lives and go to Lourdes, 
they they confront something that is um, is just about them uh, and about uh, uh, what they believe. And I think it's the effect of uh, seeing so many people around you who are making a, connect, a spiritual connection that it, it does, I suppose, in a sense, rub off, um, and that you either reject it completely uh, and go back on the plane, or you get you get caught up in the, the flow. And um, so we used to talk about that, and uh, I felt that that was um, our characters were were in that. I mean, some of the characters they they, they really believe their miracles might happen, uh, and uh, some of them don't. And then the ones that don't, like Maggie Smith character doesn't, and the Laura Denny character, uh, it doesn't. But uh, but it has given them um, an app that has uh, created an atmosphere uh, for them in which they feel uh, they can engage with um, with a part of their lives which they wouldn't otherwise have done. So a spiritual part of their lives. It sounds like the script has gone through many different forms than from the original short story. Can you tell me how much changed from the HBO version that was brought to you and then, like practically, was there different structure? Well, I would say... reform um, it when you come on board? Um, the, the sort of uh, three-act structure was always sort of there, but the, there was never really a, a resolve to the um, that sense of guilt that was uh, in the background. That, I mean... There was um, there was the idea of a of a of a, uh, a baby hadn't been born uh, or aborted. We never knew uh, which, and so we had to decide what was the story, the Laura Linney story, what actually happened, and how has she dealt with it. So that was all new, and um, and what effect does she have on on the two women? So the Laura Linney character was quite different uh, as. Uh, she is now uh, was quite different, and that was uh, the thing that was that was missing in the sense from the the original story was that sense of um, um, the, a manifestation of the past that could really take you into the story and have an effect on the other characters. And the thing that really interested me, therefore, was um, the guilt that they that the women had felt, but that that, that they they'd completely buried. And uh, it was the atmosphere in Lourdes that allows that to be spoken about. I mean, the, the, the um, uh, Kathy Bates character is very, very angry at the sight of um, Laura Linney, and and uh, the reason she is is because it's uh, guilt at, at at what you know what happened in the past and how she contributed, knowingly or unknowingly, to the, the Laura Linney character's banishment. And could you tell me a little bit as well, your relationship with the writer, like how do you go through processing the drafts? So do you get like a version of this story, um, a version of the script, and you'll go back and give notes on it, give feedback, or is it something where you will, you know, sit down in a room, take a pass at a draft? Do you get like maybe a, a script consultant in to, to have a look? Because again, it's it seems to have taken so many different shapes. I'm just more, more wondering about the process of... Um, this coming well, um, there, there, there was. I mean, from my, I hardly got an opportunity to work with it when I first got it. Um, when HBO first approached me uh, in two thousand and six, so the period between that and uh, two or three years ago, I, I, you know, I, I've been told about it, and I could, but I haven't really read the, the drafts. 
when I got it, uh, I felt that um, the character now played by Laura Linney uh, needed uh, development, a Chrissy character. And uh, that was the, the one we worked on. And the relationship between the Chrissy character, uh, between Laura Linney character and Kathy Bates character, was uh, the heart of bringing the past forward because it was about, um, uh, through the Maggie, uh, through Maggie Smith's character, we could uh, focus on uh, on the, the guilt that had um, that they had uh, buried, and the the reason why the Maggie Smith character had um, told a lie that caused her son's death, basically, and she uh, has not faced that uh, all these years, and so uh, it, we clarified that story strand in uh, the drafts that I worked on in the last couple of years. So it sounds like always being refined for theme, sort of, like you bring it back to that sort of processing the past and and that kind of spiritual healing on a on a big level. So like that's that's very interesting. Absolutely. So uh, so um, so it wasn't just about um, women who are going to Lourdes looking for a miracle, whatever the miracle was, whether it's the breast cancer idea or, or whatever, or the child talking or whatever. It was, there, were, there, was, uh, there was something in the past that needed resolving. And uh, that was the spiritual healing you're talking about. And for me and for and Tim Prager, I think it was um, the, uh, the, uh, the idea of uh, how does... Uh, we saw the idea of uh, guilt from the past just being like an infection. That had been uh, that didn't manifest itself until they saw the Lord in a character, and then the disease broke out, and then they. But they were in the right place to deal with it. That was the other point. Lourdes is a place to deal with that because they left the. They, I saw it as a kind of road movie, you know, where they they get out of the house, they leave the husband, they leave the kids, and they go, and they're going to have a great time. But they've dragged Chrissy with them, and uh, that's the worm in the bud, and. Uh, and, and they can't shake it off and they have to face it and like that that's really sort of like a wonderful story as well when when you knew it was in the right place when you finally got that kind of the you were like all right this is our this is our shooting draft when what is the step that you would go through now to get into pre-production so or have you would this be something that you're working on the whole time is this like you know once you know it's there you get the dop in or was the you know, was um, the DOP always on board? Do you start working on your mood boards or was this something that you would have had from pitch level? What's the what's your kind of process then? Or, or are you doing everything simultaneously the while working thing, on the funding as well? Well, I mean, it's obviously varies from project to project and there, there is a process, you know, that you follow and, and, and all, all of that. And it's, um, it's so there's a, pack, uh, there's a packet of money there. And there's a you know a ninety page or hundred page script and, whatever and a, it is and a and bunch of different funders as well. So. Well, we had about six, six yeah. or seven different funders. So it was a, a classic independent uh, films uh, finance structure uh, with the tax credit systems and and you know all that. And so you have this pile of money and you have the script and how do you get them to fit? So there's the ambition of the script and the director who wants to uh, this is what what he wants to create, and then you have the the producer saying. This we can create and this we can't. So that's the kind of conversation you have in the very early stages. And a good example of that was the grotto. How do we how do we create lures? And uh, that was all. That was like a 
a terrible, uh, they're just terrible discussions because, because there were all kinds of uh, cheap and cheerful uh, alternatives proposed for the grotto, which I absolutely refused because I thought if I can't build a grotto, I, I'm not making the film. So, uh, and I said that to anybody who had listened. The endless meetings we had about the finance and that that was going to be a big expense and all the rest of it. Um, and so everybody worked towards that. Okay, we've got to build a grotto. And then, then we're going to need CGI uh, to extend the grotto and put us in, in, in a, a context of a architectural context of Lourdes. And then we're going to need something else. Do we have a good um, library shots of good quality uh, from angles that we, that we think will work for our story? And so I storyboarded that. I said, I got a storyboard artist and we storyboarded that. So I was able to go to the, uh, my producer and investors and say, this is what we're going to build and this is how we're going to extend it uh, uh, and make it look and, and put it in the context of architectural lures. And, uh, and this is what it's going to cost. And then we costed it. Um, and um, so that was the process uh, lures. The, the other process was fairly standard. Uh, we had to decide whether we wanted to build all those interiors or whether we could do it on location. And the problem with, with working class homes like that, terrace houses, is, you know, we did shoot in one room uh, uh, in that square that we used. Uh, um, but it was a tiny interior and we, we already needed one angle so we got the interior stroke exterior relationship uh, sorted out it's um, when the um, when the priest comes to give her the ticket and when the Stephen Ray character is shouting about the ticket we see her going in and out so so we used a small interior there other than that we we built all those sets mm-hmm. um, and um, that, that actually was also, we have to think of the cast, a cast like that, and in particular Maggie Smith, um, because we were very limited on the time that we could use her uh, in the day and the days we could use her in the week. So we had strong limitations on that. So that meant that we had to think about how we were going to schedule her and how the location fitted that. So if we were going to use a real location, uh, we would have less control over Maggie's schedule. If we have a set, we can pop in and out of the set to suit uh, Maggie's schedule. So there's that kind of thing. And you can leave all the equipment there and you know, like you've, it's, it's purpose built. Yeah, once you're on a set, yeah. you know, then you, 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 have a, you have a block and you know, if like Maggie was available three days a week and, um, and uh, only two successive days. So we would have for two successive days, then we'd have a gap and then we'd be able to use her again for another day. So if we had a, a studio with uh, three or four different sets, Yes, we could pop onto one set while Maggie was off and, and then could pop back onto it again when she came back on again. Um, but having said that about Maggie, she was working 12 hour days. She was in makeup at whatever it was, 7 o'clock, and she didn't get home till 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. She, she, was, she was extraordinary. She never ever said to me, um, I've had enough or I'm tired or whatever. She was an absolute powerhouse. And she was, um, anyway, that's Maggie. Um, that process, uh, so, so we had, we built the sets, uh, the interiors in Ardmore, and, and we had built the grotto in, in Ardmore. And, uh, and then uh, post-production, we extended the grotto, or the cathedral, and the basilica. 
And the, the overall production design is just absolutely stunning. How do you, like, was this always the vision you had in mind or was that something that you'd feel out when you're chatting with the production designer and the DOP? Like, when does the look become more fully formed? So the big decision for me was, um, uh, we talked earlier about the development of the script. So um, when I got, I can't remember when it was set. I think it was set in a later period. But I set it earlier, like mid-60s, because that's a, that's a period I thought was a good transition in, in terms of uh, Catholic Ireland. There was something, and, and the economics of the country were beginning to change then. And I thought it would be a nice period to set. But also it was a period I knew uh, very well. And I, I grew up in a working class home and uh, I left it in 1966. So it was like frozen in time for me. Uh, but it wasn't just about about me. It was about uh, about that period in Ireland. I thought it was a nice time, a nice day. So once we had decided on on that, that was a look that we now had to how would, how do we um, how do we dig into that? And uh, so John Hand and I um, would talk about um, uh, and with on with the costume designer would talk about the color, and we'd look at stuff and we were quite surprised at how much color there was. Our memory of that period actually was, um, you know, coming from working class home, Christian Brothers schools, violence in the school, and, and uh, it, it wasn't a great period, to be honest. None of us really felt that. It was interesting. And when we started to sort of go into it, we thought, that's a lot of colour around. Um, and then we thought, well, let's have some fun. Let's go with those wallpapers, those cushion covers and, and, uh, and stuff on the wall. Uh, let's have some fun with it. And um, a bit of a release for us, that, actually. And, um, you know, there is comedy in the film. Uh, it is very humorous, as well as um, has its dark emotional moments. And, uh, and so it needed to have a bit of a lift. And um, so uh, we didn't shy away from uh, those bold wallpapers. And, and like I say, um, 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 heavily embroidered cushion covers and stuff like that. And um, there's a lot of detail. I mean, I'll just give you one example of the kind of detail that John Hand was uh, most brilliant at. Working from the ground up. Uh, Laura Linney, uh, Kathy Bates and I were uh, looking at one of the sets uh, one day. I was just taking her around the set. I don't think it was finished. And uh, she was saying, oh, this is great. Walking, this is my home. Walking into the kitchen. And, and then there we stopped and we looked at the door frame. And what John had done was He'd uh, written all, all those marks as if the kids had been marked throughout the years with a biro mark, pencil mark, on the door jam, you know, all the way, all the way up. And the, uh, the kids in her story, the grandkids, there were older kids, but they'd gone. And then there was the grandkids. And you're never going to see that on camera. And uh, uh, Kathy Bates melted when she saw that because she thought, these people are just taking this so seriously. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, not that she wasn't, but she was very, very relieved, relaxed, uh, not relieved, but relaxed uh, to see. And she was totally in love with John Hand from that day onwards. <laughs> that kind of detail uh, an actor really appreciates, even if it's not going to be on camera. They know that people are thinking in the right way. And uh, because these actors, the reason that they are as brilliant as they are is because they have an, an unerring instinct for what it is they can do to make this character come to life. 
and there's only so many rehearsals and whatever blocking and that you, uh, the director can do uh, to bring that out. Um, uh, and speaking of that, I found they, they just have done so many films. I found it um, not a challenge working with them. I found that they they would just walk into a room, and uh, the blocking was deadly easy, and uh, and which is just as well because we were on a very tight schedule, and uh, we would rehearse a bit and and do a few takes, and that would be it. And tell me about like again the cast are unbelievable like <laughs> even to to have like like a caliber of that like the the absolute a team where was anyone attached before you came on did you have to sort of like kind of prove yourself to come to this independent project because i mean these are all people that are working with like top level studios all the time with loads of money that they can probably ask for like you know just a plate of blue m&ms to be brought to them on the whim how do you sort of go this project is is worth it and i you can trust me or is that like a relationship that you had built or is that something that you find um well first of all uh, maggie schmidt was attached many many years ago and uh, before i came came on and I think she was, and then uh, and then Kathy Bates came on again before my time. So it was a question of whether they wanted to work with me, uh, um, and um, I didn't talk much to Maggie. Uh, we had a, a lunch, and uh, I talked to her about what I was planning. Uh, I had long conversations with Kathy Bates uh, on on the internet on Zoom. Uh, we, we we were working on the. Um, we were working on the script, but we were also working on the the language, and um, and the, I was I had a voice coach who was a dialect coach who was working with her on the on the action, and um, so okay, so I was working with them at that at that stage, <clears throat> and um, uh, they, they could still decide whether they didn't want to do it. We, you know, we were they were attached doesn't mean they're committed, uh, and so um, we developed it with with with, with them. Uh, keeping them up to speed on, on the changes to the script. Uh, some they liked, some they didn't like. <clears throat> and so we worked uh, through that. And then when I felt that the Laura Linney, the Chrissy character, was something that we could really uh, put out to offer, uh, we sent it to Laura Linney quite late in the day. And um, uh, she came on board straight away. She liked, loved the character and she wants to work with Maggie Smith. And she's someone who's kind of known not to take a weak character as well. Like she's she's someone who again is is infamous for that, which is amazing. That like you know I love to see her in things, and she brings such intensity to things. It's so exciting to see her, you know, kind of play that disruptor role in this. It's beautiful to watch. Um, a little bit like uh, these are very different cultures that people are coming from, and this is your world that you're bringing them into, and you're like these are women that we know. We we know them here. Culturally, how do you bridge that divide when creating that um, that world, like building it from that ground up? Well, the, the first thing is, uh, like, okay, so with the, the Laura Linney character, uh, okay, so we look at it this way. Uh, I don't want her to change her accent. We have to, uh, she's going to convince us in the performance that she has rejected Ireland, that she has been banished, and she has made a life for herself. So she embodied that, um, that distance, uh, and that separation from her past. And um, she also uh, exuded the mystery of what happened. And that, you know, we originally had a lot of um, uh, dialogue, <clears throat> expositional bit, 
uh, exhibition um, about the past, which explains. I mean, we just cut all that out, and some of it uh, actually survived right to the almost uh, final cut, and finally we got rid of got rid of that <laughs> even then, and, and that we because uh, the Laura Laura Linney. Um, uh, tells you so much in her performance, the kind of thing that you just just talked about. Um, strip away uh, so much stuff, and you're left with a character who is fascinates you, intrigues you. And so, uh, at the point where audiences just need a bit more information, then you drop it in, and and uh, and it, it takes them, you know, a, a huge leap on that small piece of information because she has created this mystery. Uh, this interest, intrigue, we're not merely mystery, this intrigue uh, that the audience uh, follow her and uh, want to know more. And then you, uh, so, so you uh, have this conversation with Laura directly. This is something that you would discuss at length or did she understand that from the page? So on, on Zoom, uh, I would have uh, talked to Laura about, um, about the character and what uh, I thought the character was. And, uh, and she would say, okay, I've been thinking about it and these are the notes I've made, these thoughts for myself, uh, and I'll go through them with you. And she would go through these thoughts uh, related to the, the script. <clears throat> uh, and not related to the script, just uh, related to herself uh, and who she thought the character was and uh, what we were going to uh, do for her, what, uh, what, what she was going to do for the story. But it was interesting, you know, she never got bogged down in... Uh, in uh, too much detail about what the character had done. She focused on the word banishment. That was a, a big, big uh, thing for her. Um, that uh, banishment in those circumstances was uh, something that she, she worked on. And what would the character have gone through um, having, having suffered that and, uh, and the consequences of that banishment at such an early age and uh, so Laura thought her way into this character at a quite a deep level, which is an actor thing. It's not a director thing. And I think, um, and I think, um, you know, I, I, I was talking to um, RTE uh, the other day about Michael Gambon because I knew him very well um, when he died. And Michael is famous, was famous for never talking about his work, ah, I just come there and be bothered with that. I, I don't, I don't do any research, and you know he was always very throwaway. And um, on the radio, they played during the interview. There was three, the three of us on the interview. Uh, they played an interview that he did with Mar Marion Finucane, and in it, uh, Michael talks in a quite an abstract way, but for him, an intellectual way, which he always would never, a way in which he would never normally talk. And he talked about. The instinct as an actor. There's only so much you can learn, but you know you read the script and you get a sense of the character, and something in you goes click, and you you get a sense of what that character is, and you and you you, you know where you're going with it. You don't really need what you need from a director is uh, when they're blocking is it's about mise en scène and it's about uh, what additional things can the director add to this character in the way that he presents it. And uh, Michael was very, very good, uh, just going back to Michael and, and, and acting. And I, he suddenly talked about it in a way which, and I thought, 
that's not dismissive uh, uh, saying it's all easy. He's actually pinpointing something. Though it sounds abstract, it is um, utterly clear to me that he's trying to um, talk about something that actors have that is unique to them. And uh, I think Laura, uh, Laura, you say in her, she had this sort of uh, beat sheet, if you like, and um, she knew where she would be uh, in any scene. Every actor has to think about that, of course, because you're shooting out a sequence. So they need to know where they are. It's the director's job to say, this is where you are in the scene. But mostly they, they, they don't need that. They know, they know it. And, uh, and then you make adjustments accordingly uh, you know, when you're blocking it. Um, uh, but Laura had a very, very clear and very deep understanding of this character. And um, so when anybody said anything to this character, she had a very, very specific reaction. Having said that, she was very, she really threw me because she could say, um, she'd say, at the beginning, she said, uh, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the way I work. She said, uh, um, I want to give it the director uh, the, uh, the most opportunities uh, in the cutting room uh, because I'm a director's actor. This is, this is for you. Okay, she said, so what I'll do, I'll give, you, I'll give you options. You don't even have to talk me through them. I'll just give you options. You can just say, do another take, do another take, do another take. And I'll, I'll try out different things. And I'll see. So, so we have two slightly opposing things there. Uh, one is that she's very uh, clear about um, how the character is going uh, in her head and how it should be played in each scene on the one hand. On the other hand, she's saying to the director, I'll give you different different options. Um, and she would, not always, uh, but uh, quite often she would, she would try something a little lighter, a little heavier, a little this, a little that. And, and uh, she'd give you those options. But obviously she felt in her mind that they were within, that this, they all would work within the decisions she had made about that. Do you find you go in there and you're like, oh, the energy isn't matching. Oh, do we have anything else? Like, do oh, you, not do you find all. that? No, yeah. no, not at all. Uh, she was... Uh, I mean, she was brilliant in... in or, or just having those options, did that help? Like, as a director, when you do go into the cutting room, is that... Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes after a few takes, uh, I would say, well, look, can we do another take on that option? I, I like that. I've got those other two, but um, let's let's develop that one a little bit. And, uh, and that was a very easy language uh, to communicate in. And uh, she, would, she would try out a couple of things, and then we'd move on. And in the cutting room, uh, then I'd know, I'd know, you know, what I. She, she was, a, she's very, very much, much a, a director's actor. She wants to tell the story, and uh, she's a brilliant. They're all brilliant storytellers, and that's what they do, and um, that's all they're interested in. And and make it truthful, like that's the thing. And yeah. people go, oh, it's so easy, it's so easy. But like, it's the hardest thing in the world because there's there's a truth that that, that they know. It's amazing. And like again, the caliber of women, like it's just, and their chemistry. Um, what was it like? Maybe even again, I think um, like Kathy and Maggie's. The world that they come from is so different as well to Ireland. You know, like. Again, we have such a kind of a, a kind of weight, a, a silence over everything, and and they do embody it in this very very well. But was that something you had to translate to them going over, or did they just understand it? I mean, Maggie's across the pond. Um, it was uh, mostly to do with um, 
you know, the, the habits of people like that and the, the language, uh, not just the accent, but the way uh, the way that the language was used. I mean, particularly Jimmy's language, it was his language of the Dublin street, working class. Uh, and uh, you can get into the whole, you know, fucking gobshite sort of, you know, all that rhetorical stuff. If somebody who's non-Irish uh, starts to use that, that's when it really rings uh, untruthful. You've got to get rid of all that and focus on uh, uh, a simpler rhythm rather than constantly replaying the Dublin Argo. It's, it's, uh, you've got to find the, the truth in the sentence and not be distracted by um, the, the, uh, the color of the language. And um, so that's why the sets are very important. And uh, for, let's say, uh, for Kathy, uh, moving around the set and um, uh, you know, the kitchen and the holy water, blessing herself, and you know, all those movements, they were, she worked really hard on those. And, and all those actors are very good on doing things at the same time. You know, they're, they're and knowing practical. what hand they're in, that's what amazes me. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> yes. And they're, they're brilliant at that, uh, and uh, so it's no no time wasted. But it's 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 a it's to get inside the cultural thing, to feel relaxed in there, the rhythm of the dialogue and the rhythm of the of the home, uh, or with the kids. Um, and uh, Kathy would just work so hard on that. And then and then when she'd got it right, she'd absolutely light up, and she'd just be kissing everybody, and uh, she'd really feel that she'd crack something. Um, and again, it was just uh, the work ethic was uh, quite amazing, and they all work very differently, as all actors do. None of them, none of the two actors are the same. And uh, uh, when uh, Kathy and uh, uh, Maggie and uh, Kathy were together in scenes, uh, it was just fantastic. God, and there is, and but again, I think even the dialogue, even the physicality, it's almost like a symptom of who the person is. And these are sort of women that have gone through this very tough life. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, is that like a shorthand that you'd have with them? Like, is this something, again, that you'd have the, the, this big, long discussion about where they've been or what they've done? Or is this something that they kind of come to themselves and bring with Maggie and Kathy particularly? Well, like I say, the cultural thing, yeah. uh, we'll have to go through that pretty carefully. Um, Maggie said to me one day when we were doing something that was to do with rosary beads or religion or, or something, she said, uh, do we have an advisor on the set? And I said, you're looking you're, at yeah. him. You know, I know all this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's the question? And I think it was to do with rosary beads in the decades of the rosary or something, how you held them or something. I forget now exactly. But, uh, like, there was, there was nothing I couldn't tell her in relation to that. And, uh, and, but, but also, she's surrounded by the crew. Or, you know, the crew would know all that as well. And uh, we, were, we were kind of reigning experts. And um, uh, so... So uh, an actor just needs to feel comfortable that they understand uh, that they're not going to feel silly or look silly. And, uh, and, then, and then, the re- then the rest is uh, the meaning. Uh, and that is in the, the literal performance. And so, so they, would, they will, um, I think it's a, it's a step process. Uh, with Kathy, it was the language first. Uh, but you know, we worked with her for two or three months before we shot. And uh, so she was getting in that way. So we would send her videos and sound stuff, and you know, the, and, and she'd she'd read stuff. So she was getting acculturated. 
So what has the reaction been so far to people watching it? Has there been many eyes on it? I know the release is next week, but at preview screenings or festivals or anything like that, have people resonated with it? Because it seems like something that leaves such an expat, like we have so many expats around the world as Irish people that there's a real shorthand. Yeah, I, I think just thinking about the screening last night, uh, the, um, the the Irish audience uh, uh, fed off one another in in, in recognizing uh, aspects of uh, of our culture at that time, uh, either from memory or to learn, and uh, that was interesting. And that's obviously you know when we, when we screen in America, you, you, you don't get that. But what they're interested in uh, in America, I found, was the very interesting spiritual aspect of it. Hope, reconciliation, uh, very little talk about guilt, which was very important to me in the Irish context. And um, But uh, that, uh, that sense of um, the confessional uh, thing they were very interested in. Uh, and, and the uh, baptism elements as well, there's, yeah. The water, yeah. And... Uh, they, um, what I always worried about was uh, the mix of comedy and drama, and uh, so it didn't feel bifurcated and uh, like uh, two films trying to be one, and uh, and I think that works. Uh, look, listening to the audience and talking to people, uh, I get a sense that, um, and we did we were conscious of this at the time. In the last act, it, uh, it's a lot for the audience to take on. It's a lot of drama, and the the comedy and the sentiment at the end. Is a is a like a release, um, and so I think we got those beats right, um, uh, drama, comedy, drama, comedy, release, whatever. Because <laughs> it lightens it as well. Sorry, it, it lightens it, it. and it, yeah. it heightens those, those those lows you've hide. You kind of like when you're going through it. Instead of like when something is one note, I think you get to. Oh yeah, like, you, that, do you know, I've, I've done that uh, in the past. <laughs> uh, so I'm. I've worn myself off uh, of that. You need, you need a, you need, you need change. And that's it. And this film has plenty of a heart and humor. So thank you so much for chatting with us. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you.